Today I want to talk to you about the blessing of trials. The blessing of trials. If you have a Bible, look with me in James chapter 1. I want to pick up reading in verse number 12. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Now, you and I would not put together trials and blessing in the same sentence. But the Bible talks about how trials are a blessing and can be a blessing to us. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, there are eternal blessings or rewards that we will receive in heaven upon, uh, depending upon our faithfulness here on the earth. And the Bible says that one of the rewards that we can receive in heaven if we persevere under trial is this thing called the crown of life. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I know for myself... I want to receive all that God has for me in heaven. I want to receive every blessing, every crown. If he's got a big old mansion, that's all good with me. I want to receive everything God has for me. So there are actually eternal rewards that we can receive in heaven based upon our faithfulness here on earth. But it's interesting because James also teaches us that we will receive earthly blessings if we respond properly to trials. And so the question that we need to, to, to deal with, and, and I know you're processing this as well, is, well, how do we respond properly to trials so that God can bless our lives? What, what kind of blessings does God have for us if we respond properly to trials? I want us to dive into those two questions today, and hopefully at the end of this message, I believe you're going to walk in a greater blessing and realize the blessing that is in trials. The first thing is this. The first thing is you have to have the right perspective. Have the right perspective. And, and the, the proper perspective, first of all, is we all go through trials. That, that's the first thing you need to know about having the proper perspective is that every single one of us goes through trials. Sometimes we, we feel like we're the only one going through a trial. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm the only one. Nobody else is going through this. Nobody else is experiencing this. And, and what James does is he, is he levels the playing field. And he says in James chapter 1, and verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And, and James, notice this, he says, whenever, not if. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, James says, you and I will go through trials in life. I don't want you to be deceived. Your neighbor goes through trials. The person sitting next to you goes through trials. I go through trials. My wife Tiffany goes through trials. The person you look up to goes through trials. We all go through trials and you have to have the right perspective or you'll start to think I'm the only one going through this. There's a second perspective that James helps us out with regarding trials and that is this. You can choose joy. You can choose joy. Notice what he says in James 1 and verse 2. Consider it pure joy. 
my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, pure joy. Now, please understand that James is not saying to you and I that when we go through a trial, we should pretend like everything's okay. I'm not going through anything. You know, you're going through a horrible time in your life. You got laid off, lost your, lost your car, your house burned down. I'm okay. No, no, I don't have any problems. James is not saying that. He's not, now, he's not saying to pretend like you don't have any problems or issue in your, in your life. What, what James is saying to you and I is that when we face trials, we should have a positive outlook. You see, friends, understand this. When you and I face tri- trials, we have two options. Two options. No, option number one is this. When you and I face trial, we have two choices. And the first choice is this. You can choose to be miserable. That's a choice. That's an option. When you go through a trial, you can choose to be miserable. You can just complain and grumble, have a bad attitude. How many of you know people who go through trials and have a bad attitude and always complain and murmur? Anybody know some folks like that? Just lift your hand. Come on. How many lifted your hand because you are that person? Come on, praise the Lord. Huh? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I can't believe I'm going through this. Why did this happen to me? I can't believe this. I'm a Christian. Why am I, going, why am I suffering? Why, 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 why is this going bad for me? Why, why, why aren't things working out for me? And you know what you're going to end up having is the poor old me's. Poor old me. Look at me. Nobody has it as bad as me. And you have the poor old me's. And listen, you can choose to be miserable when you go through trials. But there's a second choice. There's a second option. The second choice is this. You can choose joy. You can stay positive. You can find the good in a bad situation. Listen, you can't always control what happens to you, but you can always control your response to what happens to you. You can always control your response. And James says, choose joy. Paul says it like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. Be joyful always. It's a choice in every situation, in every circumstance. Be joyful always. Don't let situations determine your joy. Be joyful always. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. He gives us the secret to having joy. He said it's in the Lord. Your joy is not determined by people. Your joy is not determined by situations or circumstances, whether things are going good or whether they're going bad. James says, I mean, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. If you're going to successfully navigate through a trial, you have to have the right perspective. We all go through trials, and it could be worse. Come on, somebody. It could be worse. So, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. You don't know. I, I, I don't know. Hate my job. But you, but you could not have a job. You see, it could be worse. It could be worse. Pa- pa- Pastor, I, I, you, you don't understand. I, I don't like where I'm living. I, I don't like the area I'm in. I don't like the place I'm living in. But you got a roof over your head, praise the Lord. You, you hear what I'm saying? Come on, it could be worse. It could be worse. I want you to understand. You say, Pastor, you, you don't understand. I don't have a roof over my head. You don't understand. But, but listen, praise God, you got feet. You, you can walk. Amen. Come on. Well, I don't have any feet, but you're still breathing. Come on, you're alive. I'm just trying to help you understand. It could be worse. Have the right perspective and then choose joy. Your attitude is always your choice. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. There's a second thing I want you to understand about being blessed through trials, and that is this. Trials are a test. They're a test. 
Notice what James says in the next verse, James 1 and verse 3. He says, because you know. That's very key, though, those words. You, you know. You see, if you're going to handle trials properly, you have to know some things. You've got to know some things. He says, because you know. You know what? Know what? That the testing of your faith. Everybody shout test. That's very key. That's very key. The testing of your faith. James says that trials are a test of our faith. Question. How many of you today are going through a trial in your life? Just lift your hand. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. 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 The majority of the crowd. Here's what I want you to know. It's a test. It's a test. I want to be transparent and honest with you. I hate tests. I hated them growing up. I hate them. Hated taking tests, don't like tests, didn't like tests when I was growing up. And I was one of those kind of people, I had to study hard for tests. I mean, I studied. And I did pretty good in high school. I, I only made three B's in high school. And you, that's right, because you made a lot of C's and D's. No, no, actually, actually I made the rest A's. I mean, I, I, I graduated with a 3.9 GPA in high school, but I had to study for it. I studied Hard. I was one of those kind of people. I would study all week for a test. The night before, I mean, I would spend hours and hours and hours studying for the test. Actually, I was kind of one of those people that I would even get up the next morning early to review the test and go over it again. I had to study hard to make grades. And, and, and I grew up with people in high school that, that they, man, they got 4.0s. They did really well. And those, some of those were my friends. They actually motivated me to study. But, but they would study for an hour for a test, just an hour. I studied for days. They were studying an hour and making A on a test that I had to study hours for. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. How many of you in here, you would say, Pastor, I'm those kind of, that kind of person. I could just study for an hour and make an A on a test. Just lift your hand. Let me see who you are. I hate you. I hate you. I'll get over it. I'll pray through. I'll love you by the end of the service. But I hate you. No, 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 no. You know, I spent hours studying for the test. You skimmed over the material, and you made a better grade than I made, and I spent hours. I have flashcards. You know what I'm saying? Study groups, you know, just to make the grade. And, and if you're impressed with me, I don't want you to be impressed with me. I, listen, in college, I graduated with a 2.0-something, praise the Lord, like 2.5. You see what I'm saying? That's what I got in I graduated, praise the Lord. I actually made a D in one class. It was called, like, deductive logic. I'm like, that ain't no logic. That's stupid. I don't understand it. And I got a D in that class. But thank God I passed it. But I had to study in college. You know, I didn't study as much as I did in high school, obviously. But I had to study to make the grade so I could pass the test and graduate from college. It took me a lot of work to graduate. You know what tests do? Tests always reveal what you know and where you are. Tests always reveal what you know, what you learned, and where you are. Matter of fact, your teacher will help you to know what you know and where you are. Because you get a grade on your test. You take your test. It's not like you don't know anymore where you are. No, the test will evaluate where you are. And the teacher will say, you are A. You're B. You got a C. Come on, where my C students at? Come on, come on. Yeah, I got love for the C students. Yes, <laughs> love me some C students. I won't even ask what the D students are. Don't holler, don't scream, don't do nothing. Amen. The DF students don't say anything. Praise the Lord. But it evaluates where you are. And listen, listen, listen. When you go through a test in life, it evaluates what you know and where you are. You see, t- it, trials are a test 
in life. And listen to me, it evaluates where you are. You see what tests do? It shows the depth that you have in the Lord. A test shows how close you really are to Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, anybody can look spiritual? Anybody can look like they're close to God? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And we can all look spiritual. But when you go through a test, you see, a test will shake you up. Trials will shake you up. And when you go through a trial, it'll shake you up. And you know what happens when you get shaken up? It reveals what's on the inside of you. When the pressure is pushing on you and, and, and stress is pushing on you and trials are pushing on you, it will reveal what's inside of you because what's ever inside of you will come out of you. And listen, listen, listen. Trials are a test. And some of you, listen, what's happening? You get shaken up. Because that's what tests do. It'll shake you up. It'll shake you up. And, you know, people who sit on the front row, they love the Lord more than everybody else. They love. So they don't mind this illustration. Praise the Lord. They don't mind this illustration at all. You see, you're laughing because you know what happens inside of this Coke. It will mess some people up in here four rows back because it will explode. And that's what some of you are when you go through trials. You explode. You lose your mind. You don't respond well. You don't do well. But, you know, there are some things. You ever had some medicine or uh, a drink, uh, you know, something, you know, like some orange juice. It'll say, shake well before usage. You ever seen that before? Shake well, you know. You know, one of the favorites is Pepto-Bismol. Shake well. Come on. Come on. Where are my Pepto-Bismol folks at? Come on, man. I grew up on some Pepto-Bismol. I don't know about all this new medicine. Pepto-Bismol, that pink stuff got me through a lot of nights. Come on. You said, shake well before using. And you can shake up Pepto-Bismol, and it doesn't explode when you. It actually tastes better because all the ingredients get. You shake up the orange juice. It doesn't explode when you open up the gallon of orange juice because it actually mixes the things together, the, 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 the ingredients together, and it actually tastes better. And you know what God does? You know what God does? You see, God says, you got to be shaken up before I can use you greatly. There is something, you got to be shaken up so I can use you greatly. But the thing about it is when you get shaken up, when life brings some trials, you find out where you are. Question, what kind of grade are you making? We all go through trials. You're not the only one. You're passing the test. You're making an A. We all get shaken. You got to get shaken to be used. You making a B? You making a C? You making an F? You see, trials are a test, and what's in you will come out of you. There's a third thing that I want you to see. A third thing, and that is this: trials develop your character. Develop your character. Notice what James goes on to say. James one and verse three. Because you know you want to be blessed, you have to understand something about trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops everybody shout develops that's okay develops means to accomplish or to achieve i see trials serve a purpose in your life don't you ever think that trials don't accomplish something in your life if you are a christian god is trying to develop your character as you go through the trials that you are facing and if you understand this if you understand that god's trying to develop you through this trial you know what it helps you do it helps you to have a joyful attitude because you know that there is a reason that you're going through this trial and friends for god to use your life in a great way he has to develop you. He has to mature you. He has to grow you. 
And if you don't allow trials to develop you, if you don't allow trials to mature you and to grow you up in your faith, your gifts and your talents and your abilities can take you places that your character can't keep you if you're not developed. You see, the blessings that some people are chasing after, when they receive them, won't be blessings at all if they're not prepared to handle them. You've got to be prepared. You've got to be developed. You see, there are people that can't manage what they have now, but they keep asking God for more. And if God gives them the more that they're asking for, it will not be a blessing. It will be a burden because they're not developed. They're not mature. They're not, they haven't grown enough. Lord, give me a spouse. Lord, when are you going to bring the right person into my life? I've been waiting, Lord. When are you going to bring that special someone, that, that man, that, that woman into my life? But listen, if you're not developed, if you're not mature, that person won't be a blessing. They'll be a burden. Because the truth of the matter is some of you can't manage you well. You don't handle yourself well. You don't lead your own life well. You're a hot mess. You get shaken up and your life's all out of control. And now you want God to bring somebody else to be a part of your hot mess. And when you say, I do, and wake up in two months, and they are looking at you like you're crazy, and you look at them like they're crazy, and you both got bad morning breath, and your hair is all messed up, and sleep's in your eyes, it's a burden, not a blessing, because you've got to develop, you've got to mature, you've got to grow. God, please give me the promotion. Lord, I want the promotion. Give me the promotion on the job. And there are people that think that promotion will be a blessing, but if you're not prepared to develop and mature, that promotion won't be a blessing. It'll be a burden. You see, there are some of you, you're asking for God to promote you on the job, but you don't even do what you got right now well. You don't have the responsibility that you got right now at the job. And you think that's going to be a blessing. Well, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to have more responsibility. I'm going to oversee more stuff. And yet, if you got the promotion, it would crush you because you're not faithful in what you already have got. You don't do well in what you already got. And if you get that, you think it's a blessing, but you got more responsibility. You're going to have more stress and worry because you don't manage what you got now real well. The thing you think it's a burden will end up being a blessing will end up being a burden. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. A lot of people are not developed. They haven't grown. They're not mature yet. And they say, somebody says, you know, I want a house. I'm tired of paying this rent. Moving out this apartment. I want a house. And that house is like a blessing. And if you're mature and developed and ready, it will be a blessing. But if you're not, it will be a burden. Because you get into that house and the next thing you know, that hot water tank breaks. And you get ready to call the landlord and you go, what? I am the landlord burden you're like i didn't know nothing about all this taxes and insurance i thought you said the payment was 499 what insurance and tax well i gotta cut this grass i didn't have grass at the apartment gotta buy a lawnmower and get some what some gasoline for the and what you thought was a blessing was a burden if you're not developed mature Grow ready to handle it. You see, many people, many people are trying to build a career. They're trying to build a name. They're trying to build a bank account. And God's trying to build a person. He's trying to build a person. And the testing of your faith develops. God's trying to develop you. There's a fourth thing that I want you to see. Number four is this. Number four is this. Trials produce perseverance perseverance notice what james goes on to say in verse number three and four he says because you know you have to know some things that the testing of your faith develops 
perseverance. Perseverance must, very interesting language here, perseverance must, must finish, finish its work. In other words, there's a process. It must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, friends, trials in and of themselves don't develop us into mature Christians. It's our response to trials that determines our development. And if you want to be mature, if you want to be complete, if you want to not lack anything, you and I, we must persevere under a trial. Or, or that word persevere means to remain under. There's, it's you and the truck. Remain under. Remain faithful when you're going through the trial. And it will make you mature and, and, and complete, not lacking anything. You see, trials in of themselves don't, don't grow you up. Because unfortunately, there are many people who go through a trial and never develop anything except for the negative. And I'll be honest, one of the tough parts of what I do as a pastor is to see people who go through trials, because we all go through trials, but they don't persevere. I know people personally in our church who have been through a trial over the last year or two, and they don't don't pray to God anymore because it's been a trial. They don't read the Bible anymore. Since they've been through the trial. I know people. Called them myself. Talked to them. Our staff has reached out. Because of trials. I know people, they, they quit coming to church. Because of trials. 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 See, not everybody develops in trials. We all go through them. But I, I've seen it. Some, some, people, some people stop loving their spouse. Some people quit stop, stop being faithful with their kids and raising their kids and investing in their kids because of trials. Some people quit their job. Literally, they quit their job because of trials. 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 Some people stop attending the university. Trials. They give up on their education. Trials. Trials. Some people, they, they stop doing the things that they know they should do. They quit being faithful to do the right thing because trials. And James says, listen, listen, if you want to get everything out of a trial, if you want to be blessed in the middle of a trial, you've got to learn to persevere, to remain under, to remain faithful. When you're going through the trial, you'll never receive the blessings that God has for your life until you learn how to persevere under trials. It's a theme in the Word of God. That's why the Word of God says things like this. Don't grow weary in well-doing, don't grow because people grow and they don't persevere under trials. Here, here's a principle. I, I want to share this with you. This one principle has the power to revolutionize your life today, and that is this: the process is just as important as the promise. The process is just as important as the promise. Friends, can I submit to you today, it's not the promise that makes you a stronger Christian. It's the process. It's the process. But you and I, we get so focused on the promise. I don't know about you. I love promises. Come on, Lord, bless me. Lord, provide this. Lord, help me here. Lord, do this for me. And we love the 
promise. But I want you to know we get so infatuated with the promise that we forget that our Heavenly Father is very much into the process. While we get focused on the promise, God is still focused on the process. Just ask Moses. And Moses was born in Pharaoh's house. Some of you may know the story. And the nation of Israel, they were in bondage and slavery and captivity to Egypt for over 400 years. And Moses grew up with the finest education, growing up in, in a king's home. He was, and he, he was an Israelite who had influence with the Egyptians. And, and he, Moses knew he was gifted. He was anointed. God's hand was upon him. He was educated. He was qualified to lead Israel out of Egyptian bondage. But Moses took matters into his own hands. And he killed a man. An Egyptian man. And the Bible says Moses fled to the backside of the desert. All this destiny, all this potential, all this promise of being a leader who would lead his people out of slavery. And now he finds himself on the backside of the desert. You say, well, Pastor, how long was he there? Uh, you know, I, I can see maybe six months and then God used him. No, not six months. Forty years. Because God's in the process. Forty years. Gifted talented, anointed, God's hands upon him. And the interesting thing about this story is Israel was suffering. Israel was still in bondage. And God says, yes, yes, I want the promise to happen. I want the promise to happen. The pro but the promise is not the only thing I'm worried about. I want the promise to happen, but I'm about to process. And you're not ready. I got to work some things out of you. You better persevere. On the backside of the desert, taking care of the sheep, persevere. Getting up early in the morning and a wolf chasing the sheep, persevere. You may not like it all, persevere. Take care of that sheep. Wipe that sheep poo-poo off your shoes. Get it off. Persevere. Forty years. And you know what we like to do? We like to short-circuit the process. We don't like process. We like promise. I don't want no process. That's why we cheat on tests. Anybody ever cheated on a test? Come on, lift your hand. Quit lying to me. Lift your hand. Come on. The Lord going to strike you down in his house today. You know you cheated before. Sometimes you cheated. Praise the Lord. You ain't always been saved. You're not fooling me. Come on. Some of you have saved. Amen. I know you're still cheating. Praise the Lord. Cheating. And you know, you cheat on the test because you want to make the quick grade. You know, you got to cheat on the test. And all of a sudden, you cheat on that test and you get the A. And you're like, yeah, yeah, it worked. It worked. Until you take the ACT or the SAT. Like, I didn't learn that. Oh, you didn't learn it. You just cheated. And now the real test comes, and you're not ready. If you short-circuit the process, instead of the 40 years of God developing you, working the pride out of you, and, and working, you're trying to lean on your own ability, trying to do things your own way, and God's trying to work the process, you try to shortcut the process, and you find yourself in Pharaoh's court, and you don't have the stamina and the strength. You're not mature enough to lead the people out. But when you go through the process, and God works on you, and he refines you, he'll use a trial on the backside of the desert to mold you, to shape you, to work some things in you and out of you. And now when you get to Pharaoh's courts, you can lead his people because the process is just as important as the promise. People's church, what I'm trying to tell you is that there's purpose in your pain. There's purpose in your pain. If you will allow trials, trials will make you stronger. Make you stronger. Number five is this. Come on, you can be blessed in the middle of trials. Number five is trials make you wiser. They make you wiser. You see, when we're going through a trial, we need wisdom. 
And James tells us how to get wisdom when we're going through a trial. So James has just finished up about this whole perseverance, and it must finish its work so that we can be mature, complete, and not lacking anything because the purpose of a trial is not perseverance. It's to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And the very next verse, James says this, if anyone lacks wisdom, because how many know when you go through a trial sometimes, you don't know what to do. You ever been there before when you're going through all adversity and all hell is breaking loose? I mean, it's crazy in your life. And you go, what do I do? Where did this come from? How do I respond to this? And James knew, God knew, we would go through trials and not know what to do. And so James says, after he says, persevere under a trial, he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God. The first person you turn to is not a friend, not sending a text message, not calling somebody. There's nothing wrong with people, but, but no, no, no. He says, no, no, what you should do if you need wisdom is he should ask God. So, Pastor, why would I ask God who gives generously to all? God gives wisdom generously. God's not stingy with wisdom. God doesn't go, well, a little dab of do you. Here, here's a little bit. You asked me that yesterday. Here, here's a little bit. No, 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 no. God gives generously to all. Notice this, without finding fault. I love that, without finding fault. In other words, God doesn't nitpick you to determine if he's going to give you wisdom. He didn't go, you idiot. Why would you do that anyways? Why are you Listen, you're in that same mess last year. No, I'm not giving you no wisdom. No, 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 no. That's not our Heavenly Father. The Bible says he does it without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And when you're going through a trial, you need the wisdom of God, and God will give it generously. And the, and the following verses talk about don't doubt. Don't doubt in your heart. Don't be double-minded, because when you go through a trial, you're going through, 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 through issues in your life. You have a, a tendency to vacillate back and forth. Is God going to really show? Maybe he won't, man. I'm just going to live like this the rest of my life. No, no, no. Believe God's going to show up in your situation and give you wisdom, and he's going to help you. There's four things I want to give you real quick. Four things. They won't pop up on the screen, but they're regarding wisdom, wisdom from the Lord. Four, four lines, as I was just praying and studying, four, four lines, four lines I want to give you about wisdom. The first thing is this. You need wisdom, wisdom to know how to handle the trial. Wisdom to know how to handle the trial. You see, when you're in the middle of a situation, there are times you don't know what to do. You go, what decision should I make? Which way should I go? Where do I go? Who do I call? What do I say? What do I do? And we find ourselves in the middle of trials, and we don't know what to do. And what we need to do is go to our Heavenly Father, and He will give us wisdom. He'll be generous in giving us wisdom. Some of you are trying to make a decision right now. You're trying to figure out what to do with this relationship right now. Things are sour over here, and you don't know what to do. Go to your Heavenly Father. He gives wisdom generously. There's a second thing. The second thing as we go through trials about wisdom, the second thing is this. You need wisdom to know what God wants, you, wants to do in your life through the trial. Wisdom to know what God wants to do in your life through the trial. I asked earlier how many of us are going through a trial. Most hands went up. Here's the question. What has God wanted to do in your life through this trial? The trial serves a purpose. God, give me wisdom to know what you're trying to do in my life. God, I've been going through this trial a long time. <laughs> Obviously, you're trying to teach me something. What's God trying to teach you through this trial? Trying to humble you? Trying to change you? Trying to cleanse you? What's he trying to do? Trying to shape you? Trying to make you stronger? What's God trying to do? 
God, God, give me wisdom to know what you're trying to do in me through this trial. Number three is this a third, a third, a third question, a third, a third statement I want to give you regarding trials is this and, and wisdom is you need wisdom to make it through the trial. Wisdom to make it through the trial. Come on, anybody ever been like me? When you're going through something so hard and so difficult, you think you're going to have to give up. You're, you're about ready to quit. And I've been there before. You're going through a trial and you think, I'm about ready to throw in the towel. I'm about ready to give up. I can't make it another day. And when you find yourself in those situations, you need wisdom just to make it through the trial. Come on, Lord, I need wisdom just to make it through 2012. You need wisdom. Come on, there's sometimes you need wisdom at the beginning of a month just to make it through the month. God, give me wisdom to make it another month. There are sometimes you need wisdom just to make it another day. God, give me, I'm about ready to give up. I'm about ready to lose my mind. I'm about ready to pull out my hair. Give me wisdom just to make it through another day. Come on, there are sometimes you need wisdom every 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Lord, give me wisdom. I'm about ready to give I'm sick of this, but give me wisdom. Just to make it through the trial. And the fourth thing is this. You need wisdom to learn from the trial. To learn from the trial. Now, I want to talk to you about being stupid. Now, I'm not calling you stupid. I would never do that. I'm your pastor. I want to give you some advice, though, a definition of stupid. Stupid is doing something and it causes a trial in your life and getting out of it. And doing it again 30 days later. And getting out of it and doing the same thing again a month later. And getting out of it. And in 2013, doing the same thing again. And you get out of it and you do the same thing again. That's called stupid. And I know some people say, well, you know, well, you know the longer you live, the more wise you are. That's not always true. I've seen some old folks that are, let me just tell you, I'm just not, that's not always true. And you need to ask your heavenly father... For wisdom. Lord, what do I learn from this situation so I don't get in it again? Lord, I caused this. I brought this on myself. And some people get, get back in the same situation again. Lord, let me learn from this. Lord, last time I was in this situation, I told somebody off. I snapped. I had a bad attitude. Lord, give me wisdom to learn how to handle myself and carry myself better. But next time I find myself in that dilemma again, Lord, let me learn from the trial. Because if you handle trials right, trials will make you wise make you wise they'll develop you they'll mature you they'll make you wiser they'll cause you to persevere you can pass the test and james says james 1 9 1 12 blessed is the man who perseveres blessed blessed is the man who perseveres through the trial